0: For every kiss, a bullet in the face. For every reaction... No, fuck it. I fucked up. <laughs> For every reaction. Shit, cock, fuck. Every rose
1: has its thorn. Just
2: like every night has its dawn. Every rose has its thorn. Every cowboy's got it something else uh every something and hey welcome to the divisive issues podcast this is a uh weekly podcast where we talk about divisive issues in comics things that are controversial weird or things like ruins that are just man what were they thinking kind of sort of all right uh, i'm joe siano
0: i'm psych and
2: i'm ryan lynch all right and today we're gonna be discussing ruins by uh warren else and who does the art again uh, I know there, there are two artists, I think.
0: Cliff Nielsen and Ther- Therese Nielsen.
2: Okay, could you check the third book? I think there's one other person. Yes, there's one there. other yeah. person. Thank we you get... for reminding me. We're not sure changing anyone on Chris this. Chris Smoller. <laughs> We're all responsible for this book. Yes, yeah, so
1: we've all done this horrible deed.
2: All right. Um, and I'm going to be turning hosting, du- uh, hosting duties over to Sly, uh, who will take us the rest of the way there. Yeah, it's almost like he should have done the intro
0: to the show. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> So, so, Ruins is a story where the Marvel Universe goes horribly wrong. Basically, everything that could have gone wrong in Marvels Marvel's, has gone wrong. Instead of the radioactive spider giving Spider-Man powers, it has given him a horrific virus. Instead of the gamma bomb making Hulk into the Hulk, it has treated him into a giant tumor monster. and So on and so forth. So on and so forth. The whole story is literally just a list of the worst things that could have possibly happened.
1: So there is one thing a little different about this episode that we wanted to talk about. This is kind of a response or an homage or a parody. A, a parody? Yeah, a, a a parody. according to Warren, else's
0: parody, even though it's not that funny at a all. A
1: parody of a very, I think, universally loved Marvel story called Marvels, that not want... to be
2: confused with Marvels.
1: No, Joe, not to be confused with Marvels. I just clarifying not...
2: kind of that for the reader, though, slash <laughs> <besides> viewer. The...
1: <laughs> N- neither listener. Whatever. <laughs> The reader, or the the viewer, or the smeller. <laughs> so, Marvel's was a four-issue miniseries by Alex Ross and Kurt Busaic. Is it Busaic? Yes, I don't know. What's Whatever. That? And it's great. And, Sly, you just reread it, right? You want yes. to talk about it? So, uh, uh,
0: Alex Ross and Kurt Busaic's uh, Marvel's is basically a story told from the perspective of a citizen in the Marvel Universe who witnesses all these incredible things happening. He, he witnesses the golden age of Marvel when Captain America... Uh, the Human Torch and Samariner basically show up in the Golden Age. So, so, like, he watches. He's there when Captain
1: America punches Hitler in the face. Not, he's not physically there, but he's not in Germany. Yeah. But he's aware that it was a thing. Yeah, yeah he watches there.
0: it on the news. He sees yeah. photos. He hears pe- on the, news, the newsreels of people saying, "Oh, over over there, our connects are fighting all oh, the Nazis. Go get them, Tigers." And Alex Ross is an artist who, if you're
1: not familiar with that, that's book, really cool that Aunt May, <laughs> Aunt May from Trouble, narrated the, <laughs> the old broadcast. <laughs> and Alex Ross does very like epic,
0: grand, big-shot painting. Very, like, Norman Rockwell. And Kirby Zeg is a very a uh, well-respected writer. He's he's a very continuity-heavy writer. So when you read Marvels, he does a lot of references to actual history, like like the Golden Age. But I think he does it in a really accessible way. It's, it's like uh, James Robinson has a disadvantage, too. But imagine Pride for Justice, James Robinson, not doing it to be obnoxious, but doing it effectively to actually uh, add to the story. Yeah, and because... Wait,
2: wait, wait, wait. The Three Steuers is totally at it. To cry for <laughs> justice. Because we're following
1: a citizen, it makes sense when he runs out and there's this giant epic Marvel event and he doesn't know what's going on either. And it's basically just like, he feels like an ant among gods. And yeah. Alex Ross's big landscape paintings capture that so well. And it's very uplifting and tragic at times and just a beautiful book yeah. so you want to just run through a couple of the quick plot points
0: yeah so like we, the first issue is the, is the golden age and basically the, f- the first issue is about like the fear everyone has when these people start showing up because the first batch of marvels human Torch, Submariner, mariner were very destructive to the environment and then captain america shows up and he's the first one to be really accepted so uh and, like, the main character, Sheldon, he's, like, he doesn't want to get married to his wife because he's worried, like, how am I going to protect my family in the world with these people running around? But when Captain America starts showing up and more respectable heroes start showing up, he's like, maybe I can learn to live in this world and accept this. Then he jumps a few years to the, sil- the Silver Age wh- where it focuses on the Fantastic Four, the wedding of Reed and Sue, uh, the Miss Fantastic and Invisible Woman. And at the same time, it goes from the, the, the very... Ha- uh, Uh, photogenic uh, popular Fantastic Four immediately from that to the X-Men and basically Sheldon goes along with the crowd and hates the X-Men for being basically a threat to humanity's future
1: and I think this book captures the mutant fear better than any book I've ever read where when the X-Men first show up it's Cyclops and Angel and you know the original five but they're scary Yeah, they show up and it's like weird they're in like this they're in their original 60s costumes but they look like a Gang yeah. of
0: like just destroy. They're destroying everything in their path. And the first time you see them, you basically all you can see is a regular a- a Cyclops' visor illuminating them. So you just see him in pure red, like in these figures covered in-, in shadows. So they look all look ominous. And the issue focuses
1: on a young mutant child who, basically, like an Anne Frank kind of scenario. People are should they hide her? Should they give her up to the anti-mutant gang? And it's it's very powerful. Yeah. And it captures. The, like, anti-mutant stuff we talked about in She Lies with Angels, but I think in a way that I've never seen captured it, it, so powerfully in and a, personally.
0: In a very grounded way. Like, yeah. It, it feels like, a, like it was trying to go for, like, an end thing. And, and it's the
1: first time that I felt like, it's probably the only time that I felt like I understand why people would be afraid of this. Yeah. And, like, not that I side with the super racist people, but, like, I understood how easy it was to fall into that fear and propaganda and cycle of violence.
0: Yeah.
2: You know what's side with the Capulets?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the third issue is about the first appearance of Galactus in the Marvel Universe. Who's a planet eater? Who's a planet? He basically is a guy who eats planets. And, and when he first shows up, he has a herald called the Silver Surfer. And basically. When you get, when when the before the Silver shows up, they have four signs of the apocalypse, and they have people doomsaying the apocalypse. So to, for the Marvel universe, they don't see this as this big villain coming down to Earth. They view this as the end of the world because they yeah. see all the strange shit happening. They see this Silver guy flying down, then they see a giant guy the size of a, a building land down too, and he's like, "I'm going to eat your planet."
1: And when I'm a big fan of the original Galactus story that this is referencing, but when that happened in Stanley and Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four in the '60s, it still was. Like, it's still this grandiose sci-fi concept, but it's still, how are our superheroes going to beat this big bad guy? And the way it's done in Marvels is you really feel like maybe this is the the rapture. Maybe this is the coming
0: of... You know, God's wrath on earth. This is something I actually wish comics did more often. I, I, f- I feel they, they don't do it often enough. Where you have these people who live fantastic lives, and what happens, and even if people have normalized their lives, start getting more and more surreal over time. Like Spider Man's life, he's, he's still out relatively normal, but then eventually he has clones run into his life. He has um, uh, weird weddings when the supervillains tried to marry his aunt. Like all these. Law, comics a lot of stuff starts happening yeah but, and there's very few stories where it's just about pure really about real people from the outside watching these strange events yeah. unfolding I always
1: love seeing like how relatable superheroes can be in these crazy concepts but sometimes it's really really powerful to see objectively relatable
2: people in these yeah. crazy situations so you mean like more like more like Susan Everywoman from like Civil War <laughs>
1: It done in a more subtle way, it, that's exactly what I
2: mean. Like, like Frank Everyman from
1: uh, Fear Itself? I don't remember Fear Itself well enough to have any sort of... <laughs> well,
0: we'll be doing that soon enough. So I'm we'll... sure we will. That book's pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, And the last issue is about a more personal issue. Basically, uh, it's about uh, the death of Gwen Stacy, which is Spider-Man's girlfriend, and... Basically, it's about uh, f- uh, the main character, Philip Sheldon's relationship with Gwen Stacy, before that happens. And it's a more personal issue, uh, reflecting the more personal issue of that, that event and Spider-Man in general. What
1: happens when the friend of a supporting character gets caught in the crossfires. Yeah. And so Marvel's is a very, very hopeful but still tragic look at what it would be like to live in this world with gods. What is Ruins, Sly?
0: So Ruins is basically <laughs> a cynical look at what if all the optimism was gone, and everything just fucking. But terrible. it
1: follows the same character. It can't be that different.
2: I'm side with Ryan here. I'm not seeing the big deal here. This sounds like a really like you know interesting intellectual take of an inverse on Marvels. Uh, I I don't I know the listeners can't tell but whenever Joe trolls he stares right
1: into
0: my soul and it's the it's I don't know what to do. So (laughs) now we're talking about ruins. What are your thoughts on ruins? And no, would you recommend? Would you recommend ruins?
1: No, I really this is my least favorite book that I've read um, for this show. I honestly would recommend Cry for Justice before I'd recommend Ruins. That's a bold statement, Joe. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, it's funny because a member of the podcast recommended this book to me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> a couple of years
0: back. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, World.
2: We were, we were walking. Sly showed me this cool screenshot of like the, the Hulk and he's like he's talking it up and then we're walking through Comic-Con and I see it at a table and I think I want to pay like 20 bucks for it, like the set, and I was really excited to read it. Um... And then I read it, and it... I will recommend it if you want to see how nihilistic some of these takes on alternate universes can be. If you want to see how to, like, kind of do this idea wrong, I could maybe recommend it. Yeah, I would, like... I thought we
1: had a lot of good things to say about Punisher kills and Deadpool kills. Those, I felt,
0: still had merit and fun. They, they're Because, they, like, they say Warren Ellis has a parody, but it doesn't feel funny while well, at least Punisher and Deadpool had... Things that yeah. are clearly jokes. Yeah. yeah. And Warren Ellis, I'm a huge Warren Ellis fan. I love Warren Ellis. This is also before Warren Ellis became the Warren Ellis we know today. Yeah.
1: yeah. But, like, his Planetary is, to me, one of the best books I've ever read. Yeah. But this is... I mean, only if you like the darkest, most hopeless stuff... Yeah. like there is not a shred of humanity in this book.
2: Like I, re- I read this and I think I enjoyed it on the initial read because it's such a tr- like over the top train wreck. Um, but I, I wouldn't go any further than that. So if you like over the top train wrecks, where I- I'll save some my like, criticism for this uh, later on in the story, but over the top like train wrecks where like man, do There's nothing really go right for anyone, except for one scene which is awkwardly placed in like yeah. issue two. Um,
0: But we'll get to that. So what about you, Sly? You recommended this to us. I recommended it as a, what the fuck is this? Like, When I I saw this, I did not believe this existed. So you recommended this as... Sly knows my taste very well, in case you haven't realized. So Sly recommended this as uh, you were planting the seeds for our podcast two years later. This actually was (laughs) was part of the reason why we started this podcast, because I was thinking about this being our first episode. This
1: was originally going to be our first episode, yeah, but we wanted... To build up to it. We wanted to build
2: up to it a little bit more. They wanted to. I wanted to do this right away. Okay.
1: So just a little bit of backstory on the book itself. It's it's two issues. Not backstory, I guess more context. Well it's, go it's ahead. It's two issues and it's in an imprint. So
0: sly imprints. Well, we discussed the Marvel Alternative. Uh, Alterniverse. Alterniverse last week. Uh, and basically it's just a very limited imprint. I think It probably died out because this is right when Marvel's going bankrupt. So it probably died out. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll probably kill off your imprint. But uh, only like five books were printed on it. We've done almost half of them so far, counting this. So it's one of the most limited imprints we'll ever see. I think even Epic uh, with Trouble was more successful in this imprint. The book itself, the format is gorgeous though.
1: It's these two like... I guess they're, they're exercise issues, yeah, they're, right? Yeah, they're, they're exercise issues. issues. They have these covers that are, like, transparent. Yeah. So you have the, the title on the cover, and then the... I guess what would be considered the first page is all just art with no text on it. Yeah. yeah. So it allows you to kind of have the title yeah. page and the not title cover. And It's like a layered cover. Uh, and there's much, no yeah. ads. No. Nope. Which was surprising, because usually single issues are filled with ads. Yeah. This
2: is, this well, these
0: are $5 at the yeah. time. Okay, and that was and these, what was the
1: going price for comics at that time? I think
0: 175 was like in 1996, so that was probably. Yeah, lost, exactly. Lost so lost this was at like more than double cost. Yeah. yeah, And um, it makes sense because just like Marvel, this is trying to rep- uh, replicate Marvel's style, and it's going for a very painted look and a very prestige format. And uh, a comment uh, just to talk about the art- artist a bit. Terry Snelson. The thing is, the art is very
1: painted, so I'm
0: not sure. If they were all
1: doing it together, because they don't really specify who does what. Yeah. Well, so, uh, the art's very good, though. Yeah,
0: no, the arts. The arts. From From Morning gather, Terrice Nelson does the main art because she she goes on to become a Magic the Gathering artist. Okay, and, and that makes goes, sense. She to goes me. Dungeons and Dragons. Are this is only comic. Yeah. This is the only comic, I this, yeah. this the only comic she finished, um, I, I believe. And that's y- disappointing. Yeah, which is disappointing, and, and also the fact that she hasn't finished the whole entire series. She has her husband at the time help her, and she has a new writer come in for the second half New artist. Uh, Chris Mulder coming mm-hmm. uh, makes me think that probably was a pain in the ass to get this, these two issues done so. I don't
1: see I want to like this art more than I do I really like the style but I do feel that it does make some of the scenes kind of hard to follow I feel it's reminiscent of if anyone's read uh, Arkham Asylum A Serious House on Serious Earth that's a good comparison uh, Dave McKean who also does all the Sandman covers if you've read Sandman he has a very collage painty style too, and I feel like he does it in a way that I could follow the plot better than I could here, and I I wasn't lost, but I felt there were certain scenes that I had to go back to because I wasn't sure. Like, wait, was that the Punisher that was there? I don't know. So I would have liked it a little bit less stylized. Yeah. But it, get, it gets same... very
2: murky. Yeah. It gets it's very the best murky. I mean, or almost certain things kind of look like they bleed into each other. Yeah, but I think
0: that's what they were going for. I think yeah. that's what like it it's Because I think it matches a very, this, this, this very crumbling, disintegrating world. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The way I'll put it is I think the art is perfect for this book, but it might not necessarily be perfect for the way I read it. Yeah. So, So you ready ready to get into this
2: plot? Yes, I'm ready. So, spoilers, everyone. My body is ready.
0: To to properly get into this story, I feel I should read the first blurb on the first page. I think you should. I think you should too. I think, well, it sets the tone for the book. This is the same, both issues open with this. Yes. Yes. So, the story begins with For every kiss, a bullet in the face. For every action, a reaction. For every event, there exists in potential a mirror event, an exactly opposite possibility the world you know is one of marvels where heroic women walk invisibly through horror and men of fire ride the upper reaches of the air the, only a misstep or stopped heartbeat away is a world of ruins I find that to be one of the most chilling and interesting uh, opening pages ever and the book does not deliver on it See, at all
1: I disagree I don't like that opening very much
0: I I, I think the idea of a world where there's a the complete opposite of a world where everything goes r- uh, right if you were to tell a very Human-driven story, a very character-driven story, a world where, the where you are living in the world of despair and, and hopelessness. I find that there's potential in that. See, conceptually, I definitely agree that the premise is really interesting, but I think the wording,
1: just even from that first line, with every kiss there's a bullet to the face, really sums it up to me. Where they're taking something nice and making it so over the top terrible that it, that's not an equal action reaction. Those a, aren't. That's a fair point. That's not. That's not a Newton law. Like, a kiss is not equal to a bullet to the face. Maybe a slap, I'll give you, or like a scorned look or something. But that just says, like, we're taking something nice and
2: totally ruining it. Yeah, but that's ruins, though. Yeah, I that's, know. That, that, that is the perfect opening page for this story. I guess
1: it's more not a flaw with the, the premise. It's more just like... How it translates to the how story. How it translates,
2: yeah. I, I, I'm I kind of a sly. Um, I don't know if it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever read, but if you want the perfect introduction to this book... Get where a different every, book? W- What? <laughs> Get a different book? <laughs> no, but like, if you want like the perfect introduction to like, this book, like you read that. It's like, for every nice thing, there is a so much more horribly... ...inflicted thing. I guess that's true. I guess it's it does it's pretty perfectly yeah.
0: set up the book. So just getting into the actual plot. The story opens with the main character of Marvel's Philip Sheldon as he watches the Avengers' wing jet explode in the sky above him.
1: And he's like an older... Like reporter type Burly mustache You know he's probably In like his late 50s Mid 60s Somewhere in that Area
0: Area Area So uh, in this universe uh, Tony Stark Instead of becoming Iron Man He basically goes off To the Vietnam And Instead of becoming Iron Man Becomes the man of the Iron Mask And the Avengers Are now California Secessionists Basically A a revolutionary group But uh, they're also All dead according to this intro, because they all die as the Quinjet explodes. Yeah, yeah this is so, a
2: weird, like, they are like, California, Secession, like, they introduce a lot of concepts that aren't in regular Marvel. Yeah. yeah. So we're already, like, that was my big thing, is we're already getting a much different world. And, I mean, this isn't, like, a huge thing. Like, it it starts the book off, but I would have like liked to have known more. Yeah. It just, it does. About, like, there is a California Secession. Wait, what? Yeah. Why? Yeah. That's
1: already over
0: is, by the time the story starts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's the thing is, there's a lot of single paragraph or single line blurbs that are like, look how different this is, but there's no context to them. Yeah. And it's like, okay, California secessionist is that a thing we're supposed to relate to something? That just seems like a totally out there concept that doesn't get fleshed out
0: at all. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned that stories two issues. One big problem with stories, I feel, like it probably should be longer two issues. Marvels is four issues. I don't know why this story tackles so much of only two issues and expects to do it right. Yeah. But, uh, so, Maybe uh, the editors read it and were like, this is enough. <laughs> Maybe. So,
2: This Warren Ellis guy won't be back here ever again.
0: Yeah. So basically, in this universe, um, Sheldon isn't trying to watch, discover all these marvels and write about them about how fantastic and, and potentially scary they are. This is basically, uh, Philip Sheldon quits his job at the Daily Bugle instead to find out why the world is the way it is. What we're wrong, what we're wrong with this world. And, so he uh, basically sets out to write the same book he writes in Marvel. Like in the darker version of yeah, it. Yeah, but he wants to document the rise of superheroes in this world. And more in this case, more the rise of the, the supernatural. Yeah, but, you know, same kind of yeah. idea. So if he's, looking, he's telling now people that w- were touched by the supernatural because he believes that they were on the he keeps saying oh, I believe we were on the cusp of something magical here but something just went wrong I just don't know what it is they do really beat you over the head yeah. with this It's like, like this is a world where things go wrong yeah it's not. It's like again interesting concept but they, they don't they're not set about it at all yeah but um and there's, and there's different there's different scenes of showing different characters and their horrible fates uh when the Quinjet explodes they, the soldiers dance over the Avengers' corpses and they find Thor's hammer and start th- throwing it around which makes Which, no sense, but yeah. it happens. As you
2: can see, also show Thor later on in the book. Yeah, but
0: the story's not very consistent with self-eater. Yeah, there you go. And uh, there's a show... Uh, so Matt...
2: obviously the death of the Avengers
1: was hailed as a triumph for the American people and the American military. Yeah.
0: And uh, Matt Murdock uh, is shown in the newspaper clipping, Daredevil. Uh, uh, he's shown the newspaper... Are you sure it's not Deadpool? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Daredevil died in an accident. The accident that gave him his powers in the regular universe.
1: This sums up the entire book to me, where in the regular universe, Matt Murdock tries to... he, There's a truck coming at an old man, he pushes him out of the way and saves him, and radioactive stuff falls off the truck, splashes Matt Murdock in the face, and he turns into Daredevil. In this, he just gets hit by the truck yeah. and dies in the hospital. And that sums up the whole book to me, where it's like, what is the simplest, most just shitty way to... Change this order. That's
0: not even simple. Sometimes it's, it's gratuitously convoluted.
1: Sometimes it is, but a lot of this book is just like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be shitty if this terrible thing happened instead? Like it feels almost like it was pitched like that. Like, what if he got hit by the truck instead? What if this other thing happened? What if this other thing happened? Like it doesn't. And Matt Murdock's death doesn't have anything to do with the book at all. No. It doesn't get mentioned again, and I feel
0: like there is a throwaway. Th-
1: so every, yeah. I, I can't think of a scene
0: that's not a throwaway. This whole book is pretty much throwaway because uh, yeah. the story really has no actual. Conclusion. That's the thing. There's the no real structure. no there is no arc. Yeah, and and the story also, uh, if you don't know Marvels, you you have no idea who Sheldon is or what what. The, the I don't con- think you have to though. You don't have to, but th- that means the, uh, the only character. There's no character development for Sheldon. The only character development you can possibly get is from Marvels, from reading Marvels first, or else he's just a blank slate basically.
1: Yeah. That's how I read
0: it. Yeah, but like, unless, unless you read Marvels, you have no feelings for Sheldon either, either Nope, way. I did not. Yeah, Joe that hasn't
1: is... read Marvels yet, so that's...
2: In case you wonder why I was super quiet during that Marvel Yeah, discussion.
1: so that's definitely, you know, Joe will be a very nice
0: touchstone yeah. for when we compare it to Marvels. <laughs> so, um, so Sheldon goes to a bar, and Wolverine, Wolverine is there, and he demands to give him a drink. And instead of having claws from the adamantium infusion project... Wolverine has a weird, weird bone disease that's taking over his, his skin, basically. Yeah. And um, and the bartender is basically making fun of him, saying, "Look, show, show me your bone disease. Let's have, have, have a laugh at Wolverine." And Wolverine's like basically crying. It, he's like, "Show him your bones, mutie." Yeah. Like, yeah. And um and this is this is a consistent weird thing in the story. The story has a good, actually a good framing device in that Sheldon is looking for the super people touched by supernatural and he's hunting them down. But instead of using that, uh. Device to explain why he's meeting all these characters. Mm-hmm. They just have him run into characters by sheer coincidence. He runs into almost every single Marvel character in the story. No, he says to a lot of them, "I was, uh, I emailed
1: you." Yeah, without writing the yeah. book. Some of them,
0: but then Wolverine, for example, first example, he just runs into him in the bar yeah. out of nowhere. Some of them are just chance, well, like I really think chance encounters. What they're
1: establishing in this world is there are so many supernatural characters. There's so many Marvels that you can literally find them everywhere. I guess that's a fair point. That's what I was going at. That, like, New York City in Marvel, which we've probably mentioned before, has, like, 50
0: superheroes. But I think he covers, like, almost entire... almost every single major Marvel character. In yeah, I
1: books. have no problem with that just because of the nature of the book. Like, if you're going to explore this alternate reality, you might as well explore but the I think reality.
0: It, I think it would make more sense if the, if the framing device was used to explain how he met these characters instead of just sheer coincidence. Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, so then, there's just a page showing all the horrible fates of the different Marvel characters... Black Panther in this, in this universe. It's uh, a member of the actual Black Panthers. I would have loved to see that followed up more. That's really fascinating to yeah. me. Uh, Hawkeye is getting executed at gunpoint. They don't tell you why. Yeah, and the Scarlet Witch is at a government building giving, and basically it turns out she gave up the Avengers for immunity and she betrayed the entire team, and that's why he died in the Quinjet. So so Sheldon, for his first interview in the story, he goes to visit the Cree reservation at a nuclear... So uh, Kree, the Kree
1: are aliens that invaded in the 60s yeah. that the yeah. Fantastic Four like fought yeah. off a bunch of Have times. you seen Guardians of the Galaxy?
0: Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, if you see the big blue guy in Guardians of the Galaxy that's a bad guy, Ronan the Accuser, yeah. he is a Cree. So the Kree are aliens and they're basically, they had a war of humanity lost and they were basically put into this nuclear test zone as punishment. They're all slowly dying from cancer. Yeah. It's not that they were put there as... You well, see, they it were, is. They were, it they is. Were. Yeah, but the
1: way it's—I actually, this is the scene that I actually like the most in the book. I think this pre- not scene, this but is the premise. Was, this is actually the premise I hated most. See, this is the premise I like the most because they, after the invasion was stopped, they build them a reservation, but as a big fuck you, they build on a nuclear test site. And I actually like the way one else talks about how. It's not officially there to punish them. It's just, that's the land the government had available. But everyone knows they did it to punish them. And I think that's... That's the only type of, like, kind of American politics satire that I really liked in this book, where it was like, they set up a reservation in the most diseased land as, like, a this is what you get for invading America. And I found that to be really interesting of a premise, personally.
0: That's, but, um... So the reason why the Cree ended up in this... Uh, reservation is because they're having a war of Earth and the evasion failed because as they're flying towards Earth to do a seek attack the Silver Surfer which is a silver guy who's Harold uh, her- yeah, yeah. for Galactus as they're flying past Earth Silver Surfer was ripping open his lungs to try to breathe because as a, as a silver alien creature he can't breathe how did he get there it's a fucking good question. Because he oh, on his
2: way, it, it, the way I looked at it, it was like almost like he went crazy and like he. But why? Being covered, it, why right there?
0: Yeah, and and also. Like, because everything he, that could go wrong did go wrong. But presumably, presumably, like okay. rather but he, than go to
2: Earth and like you know get his moral salvation, he goes crazy because he can't feel with the silver skin, and he rips his body open.
0: But he, presumably, he was, uh, he was a herald for a while at this point. Why did he go crazy now?
2: Because he was so close to his salvation in a world that, that it, where everything goes wrong.
0: So it's not a universe where everything goes wrong. It's just Earth. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, it is a universe, weird. but I like, took took the opposite way. Like this, this was to, to establish that there's no hope anywhere, not even in space. Like the, the way. No, he... I agree
2: with that. I didn't mean Earth. I meant like this universe in general. But like this is like you know, sort of, sort of salvation is when he goes to Earth, to meet the Fantastic but, Four, yeah. And the fact that he goes crazy just out, just at the brink of that hope, though. I just thought this was really like. For the record, kind I gave of, this a much deeper intake than I ever did no, when that's, I read this. No, that's
1: very fair. That's a yeah. really fair point. And I actually really like that a lot. But it's not established enough in the book where I felt like, oh, of course that happened because that's so coincidental. I
2: only just thought that up because you guys brought up, like, why here?
0: But and that's like, that's yeah. really that's I, I think really maybe we've read this I, wrong. We've I, all read this book But, right. but I think Joe is uh, brilliantly ascribing uh, a reason to when the reason doesn't exist. I actually like the explanation a lot, but I don't know if that's what we're now else intended. Fansplaining. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I so basically, so server-server ripped the lungs out, and that, cause, because of the cosmic energy that was released from most server surfaces he did that. The humans basically spotted the aliens and nuked them to, to fucking hell, and somehow they survived long enough to crash onto Earth. And... It said
2: like less than 10% of them crashed yeah.
1: They had a big yeah. invasion force. That I can get, I can yeah.
2: understand.
0: They said there was, what, 30 of them?
2: Yeah, there's, like, there's like less like less than 10% of, yeah. like, their population, like, survived ju- and crashed Earth. But,
0: like, they show, like, mis- the, the, the guy who's interviewing is a Captain Marvel in the mainstream Marvel Universe. He's a Kree Marvel. captain. Yeah. He's, he's basically a Kree captain who betrayed the Creed to become a hero, and later he died of cancer. And I think that's, d- d- we're overanalyzing what the scene is here for. Oh, oh man, I, I, you know, I didn't think of that. I, I think, think the only reason thing. why the scene is here is because Captain Marvel died of cancer in the Marvel Universe. And here, you want to have a joke on him dying of cancer here, too. I think this
2: was actually the realest response in the book for me when Marvel goes over like the whole you know, like it we're all like dead and dying. If you were in that hazmat suit you could smell like the rotten flesh. Yeah. And Marvel's like, I was initially against like, you know, sending our liberation force. Yeah, you know? I stood up for you guys. I was yeah.
1: trying to stop the invasion force yeah. and this is the reward I got.
2: What does he call them like pink retarded monkeys? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Definitely. And he's like and he's like, You can all like go screw yourself. This is and, what like, I, I immediately.
1: When I was rereading it and I saw the scene, I thought Well, when I read it the first time, I thought it would be more like this, where more like, these horrible things happen, but here's a character kind of... Breaking it down into its emotional core. And I yeah. think this
2: is the only time we see this. I agree. I, I think Ruin is kind of not needed more scenes like this because we're going to see cancer a lot more as this book goes <laughs> but on. But like more but of someone, More of yeah. like this horrible thing went wrong and here's how people were actually affected. Yeah, let's yeah. frame it in the
1: context of this world that we're exploring. This awful universe. Because I don't want to see like, oh, what if the Kree invasion
0: got nuked? I want to see what would happen if that happened. I, I, you know, I want to see the next step. I actually find this whole this is my least favorite scene in the whole book, just because I find this whole uh, this whole thing just stretches plausibility. Like the 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 silver surfers killing itself right on Earth as the Kree were coming in, humans were able to nuke them to orbit. They they put them on nuclear test site. It just it just this whole thing...
2: This is the thing that irked you the most?
0: Yes, it does because like it just uh, it, str- it, str- it does establish
1: a set of coincidences that is, uh, really ridiculous. And
0: I know why it did. they did it. They did this for the same reason why. Deadpool killed off the entire uh, uh, Thanos, the entire Marvel cosmos in one page to basically establish there's no hope anywhere on, the scene, on this mm-hmm. on this world. But um, I think that could have been done w- way more effective with seeing the show later on. Later on the show, Galactus is flying corpse in space and just says God is dead. And I think less is more, and if they just showed that page and cut out this entire scene, it would have been way more chilling, way more effective, because it will be up to your imagination what the fuck is going on in space that, that you have that corpse flying out, out there? See, I like.
1: I,
2: I, dis- I disagree.
1: Yeah, I like that they frame it. I think like that they frame it, and I like
2: cause it shows it foreshows the horror of not just the heroes, but also the people. That the people are like, here's what we're going to do to, these, to like our prisoners of war, essentially. We're going to give them cancer forever on the most awful place we can put them. I just don't
0: see how humans can beat Decree especially uh, especially since they say it's, it's like a split second where they were revealed like they, and then they nuke come to hell how, to how well that... they also
2: mention like I think he also goes into it where he's like this is the one time in your entire history you all banded together Yeah, blew the hell out, it stretches, out of us. it, stretches, it stretches... also they should, should the Avengers lose the Kree Skull like the Kree Skull like war the, every the time also the Marvel
0: Universe beats the Kree all the time yeah but that's what all the time heroes. like that's not what the Marvel first of all like, like, we we also don't get the context of how we don't get like, this world. Yeah, yeah.
1: They might have had a much stronger military. I don't know. Yeah. Because they weren't always fighting the Hulk, so they could actually bolster <laughs> the military. All right. So okay. One thing that I wanted to bring up because we talked a lot about how coincidental it is, Marvel's does coincidence in a way that I find really effective. In issue two of Marvels, the X-Men Fantastic Four wedding issue, the Fantastic Four... Reed Richards and Sue Storm get married the same day that the Sentinels debut. And the Sentinels are big mutant hunting robots. And it's done in a way that juxtaposes the positive hope and fun and loving atmosphere that the Fantastic Four inhabit with the horrible world that hates and fears us that the mutants have and it's done really really effectively that this crazy coincidence that like is not at all the way it happens in the main universe really like they don't ever say that but it does it in a way that it shows that while the mainstream superheroes were so were the, were the happiest days of their lives the underground x-men were having what is the beginning of the worst thing that happens to them. But I find that juxtaposition of coincidence really powerful and purposeful,
0: where in this, I find it so stretchy. I really find that to be a coincidence because the, the, the fact that two events on two opposite sides of the, of the city can happen the same day. But I
1: mean, like more not so much coincidental as more like squishing the timeline to yeah. have things happen at the but same but that's time. That's
0: different than having him run into Wolverine in, in a bar. <laughs> And then, like, running into Mystique Oh, no, I am... Uh, that's
1: what I'm saying. I'm saying it's different, that I feel like he's trying to channel that lots of events happening
0: simultaneously or really close together. But simultaneously, too, personally, to Philip Sheldon, not to the city. Because in Marvel's, yeah. these things happen to the city at the same, relatively same yeah, time. Yeah, that's space. why I'm saying I think it's done... Having
1: multiple plots happen at once is done really well in Marvels and really poorly here.
0: Because, like, there's no, like sense of the city. It's just Philip Sheldon. He's yeah. running into these people. Yeah. We also we
2: have no sense of the government, really, in yeah. this yeah. book. There's a lot of things that we don't have sense for, which is why I think it was easier for me to accept. All right, the world banded together and yeah. blew the crap out of There's the There's so Korean.
0: much left unsaid about the world yeah. that why wouldn't they be able to be yeah. there? So, so getting uh, into the government, Professor X is now the president of United Sex and uh, United, United Sex United, United Sex. X. What the fuck am I saying? United president States. X. United president States X. and called President X. And, um... It's one of many things not fully explored because I, I guess it suggests that Professor X is using his telepathy to gain power in this universe but um, it doesn't really go into that much like all you do is get a, a one page discussing They bring it, it up he, later but and he, and he, like, Does not he
2: it? relocate uh, the White House he does. to, to the X-Mansion?
0: Which is important because uh, apparently uh, Washington he is involved into a shit show and um, Go figure and basically the White House has moved to New York and uh, and basically, Philip goes to the uh, Washington uh, Washington to meet Nick Fury, and uh, to clarify, Nick Fury is not exactly Nick Fury is in the movie. Uh, here, he wasn't he was alive during World War Two, and fought alongside Captain America. But um, aside from that, he's basically he's basically kind of the same character, same. yes. But uh, and so basically, Philip Sheldon meets Nick Fury, and Nick Fury beats the shit out of him. 'Cause he's paranoid that his World War II friendship with Captain America might connect him to the Avengers and he's like, I'm not one of the se- the secessionist. Don't 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 link me to them, so it's being a chef. Okay. My hands are clean. Yeah.
1: I'm just a real government boy. Yeah,
0: and he's and Nick Fury's clearly unhinged. Like he take takes out a gun, he aims at Sheldon's head, and so he, sh- he shoots a dog. And, <laughs> I thought it was a raccoon or a possum. I it's hard to tell the art, but
2: um Go with dog, that sounds much more crazy.
0: But uh, Nick reveals that Captain America introduced him to cannibalism during World War Two. Which is not uh, what? And, and yeah. I feel like this is one example, though, because later on, they explained like, the causal universe, and this is one of the things that contradicts the causal universe, because it suggests this world is very terrible to begin with.
2: Yeah. No, I'm yeah. guy with, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Also,
0: when he said America introduced me to cannibalism, I thought he meant the government. No, it's America. But M- now M- that you say Captain America, that M- makes yeah. way more sense. Yeah, And uh, so then, uh, another coincidence, Jean Grey is a prostitute, shows up. <laughs> Jean Grey from the X-Men. Yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. Marvel and she, Girl. And she's wearing her Marvel Girl costume, which is like a, a with the go go boots. She has like a the very green dress go go boots. Very sixties groovy costume. And she's sitting them for sex. And, uh, if I was a
1: prostitute and I saw a gruff, eye-patched guy waving a gun around killing dogs, yeah. I would not be like, he's a guy I could get." Yeah, he's money. a guy who has 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>
0: a... <laughs> this is, this is where the story starts developing some comedic elements, mostly because of the absurdity of the, co- coincidences, the amount of gratuitous violence But I story. feel like it's not played for laughs at all. I agree. It's not, but like, when you're looking at it, this is so absurd, like, I can't help a laugh, at least for me. No, that's what, on first read, I
2: really kind of like, when I said I enjoyed this book, just the... I think slides the best. The absurdity of this book is at the maximum that I, I for guess. something that I've ever read.
0: Yeah, but uh, so like Brian says, this guy's wearing a gun and he's like trying to shoot people, and she's like, "Come on, hey big boy, let's uh, go have some fun. I'm gonna do you better than anyone ever has or
1: whatever." Yeah,
0: and he okay. said, and Nick Fury says, "How old are you?" And she says, "As old as you need," which is lovely. Um, yeah, that's nice. And Nick Fury seems to be offended by, you know, being solicited by an underage girl and just shoots her in the head, which is like, the proper way to deal with that situation. And then he says, it's time for a nap and shoots himself. I'm, yeah. I had to make that part up. He's, he, that's a line in the book. Yeah.
1: And he, No, but he does say, if you write this book, keep my hands clean and then kills himself. But yeah. he says, right, it's time for a nap. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. It's
0: just, okay Goodbye. and Philip Sheldon doesn't react to this at all like when I say he's a blank slate he really is a blank slate he's like whatever like yeah fucking dead girl dead guy whatever. well I assume you know this
2: world is so terrible that he's writing about it he's just that. like this is the norm you, you can know? assume
0: that but he doesn't even like, comment on it really like he's just like whatever he's, yeah. like,
1: that's when I feel like this book is made up of non sequiturs that make no sense like yeah. okay I guess these characters are dead now whatever
0: yeah so then Philip Sheldon goes to Chicago to meet Rick Jones and to clarify Rick Jones is when the Hulk became he's the Hulk the Marvel Universe's sidekick yeah, but uh, but to clarify his origin, basically when the Hulk became the Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner was doing a test, a test nuclear testing over the gamma bomb on a nuclear test site, and there was a, a boy ran out on the on the radioactive radioactive test site as a, as a Dare to his friends, and Bruce Banner went out to stop the, the push the kid out of the way, and, but the nuclear tests. Still went on even though uh, Bruce Banner tried to stop so it. So he
1: pushed Rick into a ditch, saving his life, and in turn turning into a Hulk.
0: Yeah, the radiation hit the, hit him instead of the kid, and, and turned him into Hulk. I bring that up because uh, in this world we see the inverse of what happened there. Uh, Sheldon goes to find uh, Rick Jones, and he's with his wife Marlowe, and they're both basically druggies, and Rick's abusive. Yeah, he'd be they su- mention sh- that a lot. Yeah. And he t- Rick, and basically, uh, Rick Jones tells the same same origin story I just mentioned, but in this version, instead of turning into the Hulk, uh, Bruce Banner just erupts into a massive tumors, and
2: yeah, he kind of seems like this big green like amorphous blob, like there's no real shape to him anymore. If anyone's
1: played, I have no mouth and I must scream. It's the big blob you turn into if you lose.
0: It's a, it's a very body. <laughs> it's a very body horror, and yeah. the art on this page is very effective. Yeah, but um, this is
2: this was the first page I ever saw of a ruin that uh, Sly sent me. Yeah, it's and it's,
1: I was like, man, I
2: gotta buy this story. This looks great.
1: Same, but I was like, man, I wish I kept it
0: at that. <laughs> but uh, Hulk. Uh, so basically, they call the CIA. Basically, brings Banner in who's still alive, and they basically call him the Hulk, and he's just a massive tumors yeah. being forced to keep living. Yeah, and, it, it's like
2: mockingly they call him the Hulk. Like, you know? but like, like,
0: yeah. like, they, they, like, it's not even. Like, Warren Ellis comes up with, like, the worst possible way to make these characters live. Like, you couldn't yeah. even just kill off Banner. This one I actually
2: yeah. liked, because this is this is kind of what almost should happen. But, like... If what, you're struck... Um, actually, tell me that, if you're struck with that much radiation, you should die. I was going to say, yeah, like, so, almost.
0: So. Basically, Warren yeah. Ellis, everything that is almost like it should happen, is almost like it should happen, except Warren Else is like, how can I make this worse?
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, he wants to do... I think he wants to do, like, the opposite. This is where I, I was looking at it, because he wants to do the opposite of the Hulk. Otherwise... Instead everyone's, of the strongest one there is, it's yeah. just
1: a mess that can't even move. Because, you
2: know, otherwise we're just going to have, like, a book of Matt Murdock's where, like, kid gets doused in chemicals and dies. But that would make more yeah. sense. Like, if, that yeah. would make more sense. But I I was okay to for for this.
1: I want to know how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were affected.
2: Because in their
1: canon, after the radiation hits Matt Murdock, it splashes into the sewer and turns the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yeah. into That's a them. Question. Yeah.
2: And just to go back to the Kree scene, this is probably my least favorite scene in the book. 'Cause where I thought the crease scene there was a lot of tact, there was a, a clear point to that scene. This is just Rick Jones being like, I'm a I'm gonna beat you up like you shut up, bitch, or like yeah. he's, he's yelling at his, his wife, like for, like, like no terribly reason. threatening to beat her. Um he's just super violent. And whereas I thought the Crease scene had shock value for actual value. Yeah. As to see like what this world is really like. This is just Mean mean and mean spirited and belligerent. Yeah. And I found that too many times when they do these, like, what's this character like? It was just like this.
0: Yeah. But um and also Shell doesn't react to the white beating at all. He's just like whatever and you just leave yeah. house. Yeah, I
1: I you know that now that you it, mentioned it, now that I think there's so many times that I've seen like movies where something changes in the past mm-hmm. and it's like oh, but now the now the guy is is hitting this lady and is really mean. Like yeah. that happens,
2: we
0: it happens in Back yeah. to the Future too, for Christ's yeah. sake. Rick yeah.
2: Jones also has cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's cancer that. person number
0: three. Yeah, there's a lot of cancer in the story. Yeah, yeah. I um, wanted the, the theme songs episode to be everyone has AIDS, but like a, a cancer version of that, but I couldn't find any good replacements. Yeah, so all you our, can make it
2: yourself, and
1: all <laughs> of our uh, talented musical and lyrics and
0: poet <laughs> listeners should make a, a cancer theme song. So, uh, Sheldon steps out out of the Rick Jones' house and basically lets Rick Jones be his wife. And, but to be fair, he is dying yeah. and he's like, coughing up a lung and he thinks to himself like he wants yeah, to tell yeah. Sheldon's
2: thing. also, is established around that Sheldon is also dying. Yeah. yeah.
0: The funny thing is, he doesn't have cancer. The only character doesn't have cancer in the story. He has something else. Who's which actively we'll, dying. Which, which, which we'll get into later on. Yeah. It's revealed at like the very, very end. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in sto- at, at this final scene he be- of the first issue, he begs God not to let him die until so he finds. He, lets- he tells everyone what happens to this world. Another absurd coincidence happens as he's going out, stumbling and coughing. He stumbles over the Punisher's corpse, which just dead in the street.
1: Yeah, so- that's when uh, this is what I meant when I was like, "There's times that I'm like, oh, I guess this is happening now," and I couldn't really follow it in the art. That's all it is. He just walks out and yep. trips over his dead body.
2: Yep, the Punisher's just dead. Okay. <laughs> So that now, and- my question, would you prefer to have the Punisher just being there dead, or would you like something more like the Galactus reveal? This is to both of you. right? I don't
1: get why it's here at all. I, I, I don't It's mind- not like they're killing everybody. You could not have a character if
0: you don't want to show anything about. Them. I, I I don't mind the punch I don't mind the Punisher being dead. It makes sense because in a world like this, a guy who goes out trying to shoot criminals will probably get shot himself. I just find it weird that. Uh, Sheldon goes to Chicago, and Chicago, of all places, the Punisher steps out of Rick Jones' apartment and runs into the Punisher's corpse. It's really weird. Yep. Like, this could Welcome be. This, this book. <laughs> like, it would make more sense Like if this is actually a, a well-developed story. Yeah. Uh, Philip Sheldon hears a report of a guy in the Punisher's who down the street uh, getting shot up, and he goes to see the body, and they, they say the, what happened to him, or something like that.
1: Or, like, don't have it at all. It's not like I'm picking up ruins because I want to see what the Punisher does in it.
0: That's fair. So, <laughs> the end of. The, end of uh, the first book was called Men on Fire. And that ends Men on Fire.
2: That's really weird, because Men on Fire should really be the second book.
0: And there's no—is <laughs> there anyone on fire in this whole book? Well, nope. th- uh, to be fair, the story talks about Men on Fire as in these like, adonis men. And uh, I don't know why yeah.
2: it breaks some of the. The book th- two actually has Men on Fire. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but and but it does have? Also, it's called Woman in Flight, and it does have Woman in Flight. To be fair. How about that? <laughs> I guess so. So Woman in Flight opens up with a Woman in Flight. Uh, Valkyrie, which is a door character, with the
1: same narration from issue one. Yeah. Every kiss is like getting shot in the dick or whatever. <laughs> That's
2: exactly <laughs> just right. like that,
0: right? <laughs> and um, this is actually a weird page because this is the only implication that anything magical or super, like anything, anything out there, really, still exists in this world. Yeah. But you can also look at it as Valkyrie is a character who brings people to their final resting place, so it could be viewed That's as a, as a chilling thing in that respect too.
1: That's true, but they don't mention that. I totally forgot that was a thing Valkyrie does. Yeah,
0: yeah, but I feel
2: like you know, in in Ruins, Valkyrie, Valkyrie would be like you know, like doing her horse or something.
0: <laughs> but she's not, which is the weird thing. She's, she's, that's yeah, that, that is
2: the weird part. That's that's the weird part is that like she's she's just Valkyrie. Yeah, to our knowledge, she could be like secretly like the worst. Yeah, person how come the world she doesn't
0: have like leukemia or something? And so, I, so basically, as uh, rare misstep for one else in Ruins is this character looks not the worst. <laughs> So, uh, uh, as Valkyrie is flying by, Philip Sheldon is in a plane witnessing her, and he's like, oh my god, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Holy fucking shit, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and he turns to the woman next to him, who coincidentally is Mystique, and Mystique's face it melts.
1: It's. I think this scene is so disgusting. The art is so nauseating. Like, her
0: face literally melts. Yeah. And basically, it turns out that... There's a lot of disgusting art in this But this world. is especially, because it's so zoomed in. Yeah. So it turns out Mystique had multiple personalities in this world, and she forgot her meds and that made her face melt because she couldn't shift into bunch of people at once which makes me wonder why did that ever happen before if that was a risk of her not taking her meds I'm sure she had to have this issue before she yeah, took her she meds she had really good meds I mean that's a cool concept of having Mystique develop multiple personalities but her face melts like her. five seconds after she yeah f-
1: it's really weird and also like why is she sitting next
0: to him on the plane Yeah, that is so crazy coincidental and speaking of crazy coincidental well actually this one's not coincidental uh, so um so the next scene is... So come up with a better segue if it's not crazy coincidental. Shit. Speaking of a shitty book... <laughs> Alright, so... It's not coincidental because uh, the plane was landing where Philip Sheldon wanted to and it's a big uh, political event. And, but Magneto happens to be his a political event too along with Sheldon. And then a Secret Service agent bumps into Magneto and this universe... Pushes him out of the way. He pushes him out of, the, out of the way. And this universe Magneto does, can't control his magnetism. He's basically just a big human magnet. And he has a device to control his magnetism. And the Secret Service, by pushing into him, just shatters the device. And all everything magnet just attaches, starts flying at Magneto and starts slowly crushing him.
1: Yep. Okay, this I found really weird because he has enough magnetic power to make a plane crash into him, to rip out Phillip's uh, fillings. Fillings, fillings, and to instantly kill the guy next to him. But he still takes pictures of him yeah. with his camera. Is, is his camera, like, made out of wood or something? Is, if it, there's a lot of plot holes in this story. But, like, if it's enough to rip the fillings I, out of his mouth, and he's just like, I'm still snapping, snapping away.
0: That's a good point. <laughs> they, they, oh, fuck.
1: So now, are you ready for the best scene of the
0: book? No. <laughs> but, uh, so, next scene is, Philip Sheldon goes to a prison, and he meets the Kingpin there, who is a prison warden. And this prison is where the X-Men are being held.
2: Woo! Woo! X Men. You know it's
0: ironic that the X Men are doing so well because normally
1: they're doing so poorly in in a great universe. Now it's a bad universe, and they're like top of their top of their
0: game. So they're top of the game because <laughs> they're all in these cells. <laughs> Cyclops has eyes gouged out after he killed his family in universe. Yeah, and he's blinded. Uh, Kitty Pride Well, no, but Cyclops also begs to see the president. He does. That's but... actually
2: important. It is important, but uh... which is funny because he can't see him.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, uh, Kitty Pryde uh, had, was tried to face through a wall and then has half her intestines missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nightcrawler is just like an animal biting his own tail. Yeah, that happens, you know. And Quicksilver has arms and legs cut off. Yep. And Kingpin is basically being the shit out of them. Like, he's enjoying it. like, this is the best fucking job i ever had. Yeah. Better than New York. And Sheldon
1: asks, like, why are they asking for the president? And Kingpin's basically like, well, the president puts him here, he visits sometimes. Usually he's just quiet and he just stares at them, but sometimes... What does he do, Sly? (laughs)
0: Sometimes... (laughs) This is my favorite thing. Sometimes he comes and visits, (laughs) and he... uh, I'll quote what Kingpin says. Yeah, this is... Other times, Lordy, the things he says to them, leaves them all all sobbing and throwing up. One time, I remember he dropped his pants and screams at them, You all came from this! Ha! Fantastic to see. <laughs> so
1: he whips his junk out in front of uh, all these horribly tortured people and says, "Look at this! I made you."
0: Which also goes back to what I said before. Like something suggests this would never be the universe that the Marvel universe ever became, because some of the characters were ter- seem to be terrible even before anything happened. And does this imply that he's their dad? I think Ellis started with a funny joke and didn't think think it fully through. Because, like, do you think Professor X is their dad? He, he could have like... Uh, I'm sorry, President
2: X? Um, not their metaphorical dad, because he's the leader of... Maybe the he means, but then why did he,
0: maybe sh- he... means generally, like, you came did kill with, you from... Did you they from metaphorical X. balls? But maybe he means generally, you all came from a penis. So, ha ha, you all came wait, from... Wait, wait,
2: does he stand up and do this? I, oh, I didn't even
1: think about him in the wheelchair. That's yeah. so much weirder!
2: So is he faking being a paraplegic in this universe? Does
0: it, I, I oh, no, look, does, does it say he stands up? I just don't think he. Warren Ellis talked this joke out.
2: oh no. Look, does it say he stands up? Doesn't say he
0: stands up. It just says he just uh, th- shows up, throws on his pants. So I feel like that. Say be... drop his pants, I suggest he stands up though. But
1: yeah, because I feel like that would be a lot of work if you like couldn't stand up to get like to drop your pants. Yeah, I, I think we're overanalyzing this, and
0: Warren Ellis talked. No, I
1: think this is the only scene worth analyzing. <laughs> How big is he?
2: <laughs> Do they tell? Does does the warden talk about it?
0: No. I'm, sure, I'm showing it off. He's probably got to want something to show off. I bet.
2: Yeah, this is another scene where it's just like
0: the joke. I think the joke. It, it, the joke came before the actual plot.
2: It's just like this is over the top and gratuitous for being over the top and gratuitous' sake. Um, so, so I'm Warren Ellis, and I'm a new and upcoming comic
1: star, and I'm like Marvel. I want to write this story that's a parody of the award-winning, iconic miniseries you just released. And I'm going to have Professor X whip, Professor
0: X whip his dick out and yell at the X-Men. Well, to be... F- <laughs> sold! <laughs> I guess so. And uh, this whole is weird because uh, Sheldon just doesn't even remember how he got here. And um, Kingpin's like, I, the only reason we're letting you see all this is because... Uh, we know you're dying Which is weird it's, He says yeah. the
1: president Told me to show you everything To grant a dying man's wish But you can't have Any hard evidence
0: They let him keep his camera So they let him keep his camera
2: well, Just say so he, well, He's not allowed to take his camera Into the X-Men. No he brings the yeah. camera
0: Into him and they take it Away from him afterwards Okay So what's the point Of letting him take pictures
2: I think they're just dicks. This is the kind of guy that yells at
1: people with their eyes gouged out. Yeah. That look at my dick. Like he's an asshole.
0: But I, I, like we talk about non sequiturs I feel like this—that this, this, was just a quick way to explain why Sheldon got top-secret access to this government facility. Then, like, and and like got to take all these pictures.
2: No, I think you know so the the story is why is this doing? Because the story needs to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need to see what happened to the X-Men in this terrible world. I suppose. And nothing could happen to them. I'm sorry, Professor X is president. I guess he's doing okay, and, and, impl- and Angel Angel wheels him around apparently. Yeah, So, yeah. so, so Angel's he's... doing pretty well. Yeah, well, he's rich. You know, he's doing. He's doing pretty well. Oh, uh, that's probably why.
0: So then we, we they show some more different scenes from Marvel Universe. They show other tour in this universe, which is uh, Donald Blake uh, Thor's secret identity in the main universe. Except in this universe, he's a crazy guy who thinks he's Thor. But there wasn't. I was don't like to
2: see this honestly.
0: Yeah, th- we did see that. It's called the Ultimate Universe, and it's great. I
2: know, but this is before <laughs> that. Like, I would like to see this in this book. Yeah. I know, and um, but we don't get it. This is yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: then it's we get, th- th- and we also get to see Emma Frost, who in this universe, uh, Emma Frost is, is a telepath. health part of Hellfire Club go see X Men for class. We explained it in a Civil War episode. Fuck <laughs> you. But uh, so, but in this book, uh, she basically bottomizes kids and has like a school of uh, weird psychic kids. I don't want to see that. <laughs>
2: Joe's making
1: a hardline stance on that. Hard lines.
2: <laughs> no, because I think some of these concepts are really, really interesting. Like what? I Actually, I don't mind the Hulk that much. I like the Kree. Um, the ex-prison wall over the top makes sense. That's an really
0: interesting pretty, concept. Yeah, actually, I, think, but, I, I agree with Joe, and that's why I feel like this book had potential. This book doesn't explore any of these concepts. It just presents concepts, basically. It's like, look how terrible well, this is. One thing I would yeah. like to bring
1: yeah. up, Warren Ellis is... Famous. He has made his living doing that a lot, where he will take over a book, write six issues, totally redefine a status quo, and introduce a bunch of new concepts, and then let someone else play with it. He did that with Iron Man. He wrote a six-issue mini called Extremis that is basically what Iron Man 3 is almost completely based off of. Uh, he did that with Moon Knight when he most recently relaunched it. Brand new status quo, set it up, bowed out after six issues. Yes. He did it with Thor in the nineties. He does that a lot, and that's actually one of his big strengths, is he has great ideas that he lets other people play with. But
0: the problem here is like this is his entire story. Like yes. there's no yeah. nothing to build off of here, especially since everyone else is dead yeah. after the story. And uh, he, unless we're gonna yeah. get
2: the sequel, like, you know, twenty years after the fact. Yeah. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Ruins are
0: so, speaking of. More ruins. <laughs> so, speaking of Men on Ruins fun, porn. Yeah,
1: Joe keeps yes. saying ruins porn. Like, that's uh,
2: a phrase that I recognize. Ruins porn is like when people take pictures of, like, really, like, dilapidated, abandoned buildings. And then. Post it online. No, no, they just post it online. So,
0: what they should do instead is take pictures of this book and post it on ruins uh, porn sites. And jerk off? Yeah. I just
2: don't understand ruins porn. Oh, listen, we're going to get to one of the other concepts. So, that's actually
0: really <laughs> So, we're getting into the actual Men on Fire. Which yeah. is why this book should have called might have this book should have been called Man on Fire. Because Ghost Rider is in the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or the guy who becomes who would have become a Ghost Rider. Uh, Johnny Blaze. He lives up to his name in this world because literally he sets himself on fire and burns to death while riding his motorcycle. He's like a stunt man yeah. who does this.
2: Yeah. I actually I loved this concept, honestly. This was the one time where like, yeah, it's brutal. But isn't such-and-such person has cancer, or or such-and-such person is, like, awful and, like, you know, like, beating his wife or, like, beating up, like, you know, prisoners? This was a really neat concept to me. It just... That, like, he's out in the desert, like, you know, doing these, like, freak show-type stunts. Yeah, yeah
1: he just and this one he goes a little too far and it yeah. kills him and it's the description's gross yeah. about his like fat dripping off his face or whatever hideous but like I screams totally for hours yeah yeah I do agree that this is a cool idea of just like it's not just it doesn't feel like
0: just mean it feels like there's actually a concept here yeah and Ghost Rider is at least doing it on purpose and, yeah. and he gets to die he chose unlike the yeah. whole <laughs>
2: But this also like this also kind of fits like the stunt man like you know devil may care character. Yeah, it definitely fits. Yeah,
0: it's, most, it's one of the most logical. Uh, it, it's changes.
2: one of the things like I was like I wish he talked to Johnny yeah. Blaze before uh, he I, does yeah, the stunt. Like like I think that would have been a very cool conversation of like like why are you doing this? Yeah.
0: yeah. Another reason, another example of the concept being cool, but the the plot it just isn't there. Yeah. And the next scene is Sheldon keeps really starts hammering home the idea that uh, this is this is a world of ruins. Everything went wrong. Uh, man, everything sucks. Everything can, that can go wrong will go wrong. See, I have to keep saying this. Like, we're the, if you've made it this far in the book, you fucking know this already. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, oh, what went right? Nothing. And, uh, and Sheldon basically goes to sleep and he imagines, like, the world that could have been. He basically imagines the regular Marvel Universe. And he imagines, he imagines the good things that could have happened every day, the windows they could have seen. And he imagines... Uh, he basically wants to make write about this world... And show it to President X, and President X will basically look at this world and cry at the sight of it, and want to make the world into that. And So he's still writing the regular Marvel's book. Yeah, but in this world. Though. Which I
1: thought that was a really neat concept. Yeah. That he's, st- he's writing the Marvel's miniseries anyway. But the intention is inverse.
0: like this is the world yeah. what he wants. and to. that's really cool. Yeah. Then we get more horrible uh, scenes. We get to see uh, uh, Bucky from Captain America and Sabretooth... Um, and another, and another Bucky from the Captain America. Yeah, don't worry about it. Comics a little. <laughs> yeah, all became members of a cannibal militia group. Because you know, that's yeah. what you do. And now and then we finally get to the best scene in the book, in my opinion, and the book that c- kind of almost gives this book a point. Uh, uh, Philip Sheldon goes to see Ben Grimm, aka the Thing, aka members of Task Force. Do aka- we
2: do we skip the girl?
0: Oh yeah, the girl. But I don't know what the fuck the point. I don't that. care what the point is. Yeah, yeah, but I
2: think we should talk about like what the fuck is that scene doing. I'm sorry for cursing. Okay, so what the
0: fuck is that scene doing? <laughs> yeah, what is
2: that? Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> what is that scene doing? No, 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 no. <laughs>
1: did you just apologize for cursing? <laughs> <I don't>... Yes. <laughs> Are you trying to be like the nice, the nice boy?
2: <laughs> no, I'm not. In case you haven't listened to the previous episode.
1: <laughs> yeah. Where did that come from, Joe?
2: <laughs> yeah, what? like there's a scene in this book where like Sheldon's like, I'm not like. He's like, I'm at, like, this pond and stuff, because that's where apparently all good things happen. C-R-A. Uh, all good
1: C-R- things? One good
2: thing. <laughs> C-R- Cry. C-R-A, a she lies with Angel's episode. Ponds, apparently good things happen. Oh, yeah. Um, like suicides. And he's like, it's weird, because, like, what does he do? He, like he, He's there, like, thinking, and this little girl comes up. He's like, do you want to come eat with me and my mommy? Yeah,
0: and she gives him a flower. And... She gives
2: him a flower, and it's like, and then I went, and then he goes to their picnic. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, why is this here?
1: Yeah. Is it to show that regular people aren't shitty in this universe? It's just the mutants? Well, the punk still exist,
0: though. It's not not just the mutants. They show like the bartenders are a piece of shit. That's to show the people in Washington, D.C. are a piece of shit. So why do you think the chain is here?
2: I I don't know. And that's why I kind of want to talk about it. Well, like I I said,
1: what do you say about it? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, like, he was at the end of his rope and she was, like, giving him more hope to tell the story or something, but, like, that's not addressed at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's never brought up again, and
2: I don't I don't get it. No, Neither do I, but that's kind of why I want to talk about. It. I'm just like, what is this doing here? That's why I skeptic, because I'm like, I'm not saying. Yeah, I see. I don't know if you guys had any insight in it or not, but this is... That was probably... This is probably, like, my least favorite scene, because I'm like, what does this do? I it doesn't
1: do like, anything. I'm, I almost feel like... I'm like I'm like fuck you Warren Ellis. You don't get to say a nice thing. You don't get to have a nice thing in this book. Yeah. Like why this shouldn't
2: feel. It almost as like like he read issue one and was like oh wait I gotta dial this back and put nice things in this. But as it's well. right after the Professor X dick thing. I know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> President. <laughs> no, X. I don't. I'm sorry. Give him this title, Ryan. Yeah. Don't yeah he earned it.
2: So let's move along. But I wanted to point it out that yeah this no, scene, this scene yeah. does exist and it's super weird in this book where nothing goes right. Yeah. Maybe the sandwiches were bad. I don't know. <laughs>
0: That's a twist. These
1: sandwiches were made with tumors.
2: <laughs> yeah, she has a really bad nut allergy.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so uh, he goes to see Ben Grimm, the thing, rock guy from the Fantastic Four. In this universe he's just a dude though. He's just a dude though because things not right for the thing, weirdly enough. Yeah, so in, in this universe, he lives in his own cabin by himself. And he, basically in the original in the mainstream Marvel universe, the Fantastic Four got to Paris because they wanted to beat the Reds Soviets in a space race. So, Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, uh, basically uh, rushed a rocket to space before it was ready. And, and ben, ben was his pilot. Ben was supposed to be his pilot. And this universe, Ben, right, just like in the regular universe, Ben is like, that's fucking crazy. This ship's not ready. And in the regular universe, Reed Richards talks him into it. In this universe, he fails to talk him into it. And this universe, Fantastic Four, instead of coming back with powers, they come back as basically mutilated monsters.
2: All die.
0: Yeah, uh, Reed Richards basically gets his body gets distorted and and stretched. Basically, the the regular
1: things happen to them, but they're terrible. Like Johnny Johnny Storm gets the ability to become the Human Torch, but not the protection from it, so he just burns alive. Yeah,
0: Invisible Woman actually survives, I think,
2: and but
0: because her fate
2: is left ambiguous on this one.
0: Well, no, she
1: survives. No, at the beginning, she turns invisible, but it also makes her. Eyes reflect light, so yeah. she's blind, and she yeah. falls onto Johnny's burning body yeah. oh, okay. and burns to death.
0: She says, "We didn't see her until she fell on top of her Here brother." Yeah. And um, Doctor Doom, they say he was animal when he came up and mineral when he came down.
2: Yeah. Doom is the person who Reed gets to fly this yeah. in so, place so, of Ben. So this universe, which could be a really cool
0: concept, yeah. it's another really cool concept. Doctor Doom, their are in the other uh, universe, mm-hmm. is, there, is, is takes the, uh, the things place in this universe. Yeah, and. Uh, Ben is reflecting on what happened. He's showing photos of what happened to the crew members. And he says, you know what the worst of it is? Despite having no no laterals, despite the flash storm, I can't help thinking it would have been different if I had flown there. Can't help it. So this would be a cool
1: reveal and concept if we didn't see Golden Age stuff being terrible.
0: And like all this, because the Fesca 4 were the first... Uh, Marvel book really the first one to be part of the Marvel age the silver age of yeah the but they yeah. did
1: have stuff before like Captain America the Submariner, mariner the what, original this, this this started George. like the age of Spider-Man the yeah. age of
0: Avengers so the if of, they left yeah. it
1: that way then like where they didn't mention Captain America or that stuff like that would have made a lot more sense yeah. or even kept the Golden Age the same not like Captain America was a cannibal yeah. that yeah. would have made sense but here it's like but wait what about like golden age stuff. The that, golden age stuff. Yeah, which exactly. Which is also terrible. W- yeah. Yeah. What about the stuff that predates yes. this? It? It's such a but, shame. But c- I like that
2: uh, that Sheldon finds someone who thinks the same way that he does. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like this. This maybe this could have been something else.
1: But the thing is, given the context of the book, instead
0: of it feeling like the big reveal of where things went wrong, it feels yeah. like another shitty thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame because I feel like uh, this this book this scene comes from the alternate reality where this, this is actually a good book. Because this, this, <laughs> this, this, this would have been the scene that ties it all together and explains why everything went yeah. wrong, but instead, it's just another shitty scene, like Ryan says. Yeah. So now there's one more scene left, the right? final scene yeah. of the book. Sheldon uh, is uh, thinking about his book. He's got enough pictures. He's got enough uh, words uh, to write. Yeah, that's all you really need: pictures and words. Yeah, there you go. And does um, he have paper? He has to get paper, so oh, so he's not quite there yet. Yeah. So, uh, but he's like, he's like, he's a little, he's kind of panicking because he forgot his meds. And he's kind of freaking out. He's thinking about... He's kind of getting delirious as he's walking through the New York streets. And uh, he flashbacks to what gave him the original illness. And what gave him the original illness is Peter Parker. Because Spider-Man couldn't make it out of this book unscathed. He (laughs) almost made it. He almost made it. But Peter Parker, instead of getting uh, bitten by radioactive spider and uh, becoming Spider-Man, he gets bitten by radioactive spider and contracts a weird mutant disease that basically makes him have like weird web... Lines form. Like, like,
2: it's like a rash kind like of. Like a weird. Yeah. It's like it looks like it
0: looks like it looks like veins forming. It looks like his
2: costume transposed. Yeah. Like, all on, all burned to, onto his skin. And he's,
0: and he's like balding, so he looks like a weird spider human thing. But yeah, a weird spider man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: before his death all of his symptoms showed, he was contagious. Yeah. And, and he, he went
0: to work at the Daily Bugle and got. Uh, gave it to Philip Sheldon. Gave it to Philip Sheldon and uh it's funny this is actually a fun, the only time this book actually tries to be a parody of marvel specifically because in marvels philip sheldon thought peter parker was a prick because in marvels peter parker is taking a picture of spider-man giving him to jay jones jameson and saying hey joan look at these pictures make spider-man look ter- terrible and P- philip sheldon doesn't know peter spider-man so he's like look at that fucking dick making spider-man look bad just for his own fucking money he's Fuck that. he's like a tabloid f- yeah he's a tabloid hack yeah. And this university kind of play on that by saying "fucking Parker here. I always fucking hate him. Fuck that piece of shit. And uh, and uh, I knew he would fucking cause my death. Fucking asshole. And um, it basically, as he's thinking about fucking Parker, fucking piece of ass. Asshole, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, as he's thinking this, the illness overcomes him and he dies before and, he finishes his book. And yeah. all the pictures go everywhere. So he never gets to tell the world what happened, what what Marvels could have been, what was the cause of ruins, and the story ends on another depressing note. Yeah. So yeah. without hope.
2: Yeah, final thoughts. It sucks, so. Um Is it good, bad, or bad, bad? Man, that's this is tough for me.
1: Uh... You think about it, Sly. Yeah, good, bad, cannot. bad,
0: bad. I, I It's good, bad, just because it's such a unique specimen. Like, if you're in, if you if you hear us talking about this book and are interested in it at all, read it just to see it for yourself, because. I can't imagine there will ever be a book like this ever again. It is so unique in that respect. It is, okay. it is just so de- it is so surreal that Marvel like you said Marvel like Warren Ellis came to Marvel saying hey you want to have a book where Professor X shows his dick to the X-Men and it says you came from this and Marvel's like yes let's do that. Like this book will probably never happen again but the fact it happened but it was got reprinted and it got reprinted yeah. and, it, got
2: <laughs> and Marvel, it
1: just got re-released yeah. Yeah. It, it did get re-released in a Marvel's companion book yeah. it wasn't like yeah. it got it's own standalone release. But I, but I, they reprinted it, though. Yeah, they did. I think it's bad-bad. I, I, I,
0: quality-wise, I do think it's bad-bad, yeah. but I do think it's uh, worth reading just to see
1: how bad-bad it can see, be. See, I, I don't think it's worth reading, because it's just like... I just was, like, mad and sad the whole time. Like, I got nothing out of it. Like, I know it wasn't sad because like characters were dying. I was just like, I just want this to end. This is... I hate this. And I usually love Warren Ellis.
0: But you have to feel mad and sad. Well, sometimes...
1: Yeah, but I would rather get that from a
0: better book that makes me feel those things genuinely. I agree, uh, but I just—it's such a weird book. I can't say don't read this, because if you are interested in it, read it just to satisfy your curiosity.
2: Okay, yeah. So um, I'm going to side with uh, Sly on this one, where I, I think the the intrigue um, and the shooting and missing of it kind of warrants like a read, where I don't, I don't think there will ever be another ruins, so to speak. And it's just so over the top. Uh, the narration—that's the best way to describe it—is uh, If you ever read uh, Rorschach, if you read Rorschach's journal from Watchmen, the ending and, and, is very reminiscent of Watchmen. That, too. And see that to like the ninth degree yeah. of like over the topness, or everything is just so dark and gritty. If
1: a, it, I feel like this book is if Rorschach's view of the world was true.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, not wrong. That's actually that's a very good interpretation. <laughs> Um, and the concepts are just so ridiculous in this book. Um, I can't say don't read I'm sorry, I can't say like don't read it. Um, if you can read it without taking it too seriously, I think you'll like it a lot more. Like That's why I read the majority of these books that we're going through. Um, but yeah, you know what? Give it a shot. Have fun. Live a little. Read Ruins. So,
0: now we're not doing Letters from Missing. Wait, we're doing... hold on.
2: Before
1: we get to Letters... The letters page.
2: Yes, before we get to the letters before page. Before
1: we get to the letters page. Before. <laughs> I just wanted to say thanks to the listeners who've been really supportive and like giving us Sean. a lot of great feedback. Like, like Sean Lynch. Like Sean. Avery. Avery. Phil. Ariel. Brian. And Tony, way down in North Carolina. Did you mention Sean? I mentioned Sean. All right, good. And we've also. I been, love you, Avery. We've also been having a lot of. Really great Twitter stuff, and uh, I wanted to thank the people who've been retweeting our show, like the Drunken Dork Podcast and the Woo! Mr. BS Show. Yeah. So thank you guys, and if you want to follow support. us, it's at divisive issues. And I just wanted
2: to say thanks because our listeners are super great. It's not just Ryan who's being selfish. I also want to thank our fans. Who? Uh, Who? What fans? Uh, like Sean, Avery, <laughs> mostly Avery. I love Avery.
0: I love Sean, so I'm going to thank Sean. <laughs> yeah.
2: I also love Brian. Brian, you're beautiful. Fuck you, Phil
1: <laughs> So yeah, thanks, you guys. We didn't say anything about Ariel at the end. She's great, too. Okay. Thank you guys. How do you really feel about Ariel? Right? <laughs> and now we, we can... love all of you. Yeah. And now, letters. All right. We have one quick question from the aforementioned Brian. How do you guys feel about characters being portrayed differently in different mediums? For example, in Man of Steel, Superman, in Man of Steel, <laughs> way to use a comma, Brian, in Man of Steel, Superman can be seen as a completely different character than what some have come to expect from the, it's a bird, it's a plain comic character. Yeah. So we talked about this a lot last episode, but I want to go into a little bit more detail about different medium at the same time. Because we talked yeah. about different portrayals of like when they do adaptations years later and stuff. But what about different portrayals in like simultaneously cuz we DC does a lot where they say this movie's coming out the TV show's can't use the character we don't want it yeah. to be confusing.
2: How do you feel about that? Um in the case of DC um I don't think it's I don't think it's the best use of their characters. I think the audience can tell like the audience can accept that the TV show is different from the movie and that these are two different cinematic universes. Um, so in that case I don't necessarily think it's done the best but I I think people can distinguish like you know when a character is in, when a character in the comics is necessarily the character that's up on the screen and I like it when, when different mediums play with different characters I think different mediums are really the time to experiment with characters like I don't ever want to see a direct adaptation of a comic story to an alternate medium
1: yeah, I, I I definitely agree that I think when mediums do it differently, yeah. I think it's a lot more interesting because I like when changes yeah. are there. I think it should keep the spirit of the character in I agree
2: with that. Control. I think for the most part, especially if you're trying like for especially the movies for instance, yeah. If you're trying to sell this cinematic universe and you know also maybe boost the sales of your comics, it's nice to have them aligned. Because
1: he mentioned Man of Steel in particular yeah. and we're going to go into a lot more detail about Man of Steel when we talk about Batman versus Superman. Yes. Batman v Superman don't adjust this. Sorry, Thank Joe. You. Good. But, um, so we're going to save a lot of that specific stuff for that. But I like when they take liberties, but I think it has to keep the core there. And that's, I personally feel Man of Steel misses it, but we'll get into that detail. No, I, I
2: think for big multimedia properties where like you're trying to sell Superman, to a large audience. Yeah. It, you should understand what makes the character work. Yeah. But in that case, it also kind of like takes not, I'll bring this back to Ruins where we have an alternate take of these characters yeah. and they have their own little sandbox and it's just, you know, a story where things are very different and I like that too. Yeah. But I think, you know, for things like the movies, like the TV shows, you should know what you're selling.
1: Yeah, I, I think like a show like Arrow yeah. has a lot of liberties taken with characters. Like Oliver Queen is so different, very different, yeah. But it's done in a way that I think works better for that medium yeah. than it would in comics. And I think they do such a good job with it that actually, honestly, if you're telling a good story, do it. Mm-hmm. that's where I think, like, try to keep it in line enough so that people can jump from one to the other. Yeah. Like, another example I want to bring up, and then I'm going to get to Sly, because I'm sure he has something to say. <laughs> but uh, I think The Walking Dead does it really well. Where The Walking Dead takes a lot of different liberties and changes a lot of characters than they do from the comic. But I think they do it in a way that keeps the spirit alive. Mm-hmm. And if I having read so much of the comic, when I watch the show, I don't know what's about to happen. Yeah. I have an idea, but then they play with it, and it's exciting for me, where if it was note for note, it would be kind of boring. I would yeah. know what's going to happen, and I think this way, if you're a fan of the show, you could jump into the books and see the characters you love, but doing different things. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Slay?
0: I don't mind different interpretations of, of characters, and a lot of my favorite interpretations, uh, they fix mistakes I felt the comics made, but um, the only thing is, I feel like the sh- adaptation should never feel like they are ashamed of what the books are, and I feel like Man of Steel's example of a book that's ashamed of Superman as he is and wanted to make him into something he's not, and that's that's why I wasn't a big fan of the Ultimate universe in a lot of ways because I felt like the Avengers in that in that portrayal uh, portrayal were trying to be something they're not, and that's why I was glad when they made the Marvel films. They took a lot of the modernization concepts of them from the old Universe, but kept their personality the same as in the mainstream Marvel Universe, and I think that's how you do it. You can change all the details, as long as the character feels like the same character, I'm fine with it.
1: I think the Marvel movies are the best example of, it, of a changed adaptation done correctly, and the example that I always go to is Thor. Thor has a lot more crazy concepts in the comics but the movie streamlined it so much and got rid of his alter ego and all that stuff but kept the spirit of what makes Thor so fun and great
0: goofy sci-fi stories yeah goofy sci-fi
1: stories but they kept it in droves and they don't feel ashamed of it at all even if they're not directly adapting same thing like Captain America keeps some of the hokey stuff when he's the propaganda machine but still keeps a lot of like the more modern gritty war stories
2: there as well is there a version you guys like where they don't? I think we talked about this earlier sort of with adaptations, but like where they they change the material essentially. Like, I'm gonna bring up. I'm sure we'll talk about this later. The uh, the most recent Fantastic Four movie, where they change the property a lot. Is there a take of that that you really enjoy? I actually feel that Fantastic Four doesn't change the property very much
1: from the Ultimate Universe. It's like almost note for note at the beginning, but
2: um. I also meant like in spirit, like they—they they the, the human torch yeah. is African American, like they, changes like that, um, like, where they, where they, they play with the property a lot.
1: This is a controversial opinion mm-hmm. that I have, but I don't love the Christopher Nolan Batman movies as much as most people, but I think the Nolan Batman movies are really great films. Mm-hmm. I think they change the characters a lot and do a lot of different things with the world that aren't in the comics at all. They go for a very different take, but I think they're done to great success. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that they're... I think they're fantastic films and not the best Batman films, mm-hmm. but I think that that's a way where they can change things and work with it in a way that has mass appeal yeah. and is still a great story. Yeah. I don't think... I'm, I'm not going to doubt the plotting and the overall world that Nolan sets up. I think he does a great job at changing a lot of stuff Yeah. pretty completely, in a way that I still find
2: engaging and enjoyable. Yeah, mine was the, uh, the sh- we talked about it, the show Arrow when it initially starts out is not the most comic faithful uh, take on the character. I think as the New Fifty Two has gone on, I mean you've read more of it has as the comic become more in line with the show. The think? comic has become a
1: lot more in line with the show. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, but at the time, it wasn't really a take of Green Arrow that fans might be familiar with. And I totally get why the hardcore Green Arrow fan would not be a fan of the show at the start. But I thought it told such a very good story, and we've kind of seen Oliver Queen become more like a comic book Oliver Queen as well. Yeah, it's getting there eventually. Yeah, Yeah, which is is almost, when you get to the end of season one, you understand the point that they were trying to do at the start of the season.
1: So they change a lot, but at the end of the day, if the story's great, Mm -hmm. and I'm emotionally invested in it, that's fine. Yeah, You know, that's... It's as I just I worry that someone's gonna see a movie and then go pick up a comic and have and the things that they liked about the movie will be nowhere to be seen and will be like oh this isn't for me I'll just stick to the movies yeah so do you have one
0: my my favorite X Men cartoon is probably the least accurate X Men cartoon which is why the reason people hate it and that's X Men Evolution and X Men Evolution turns a lot of the X Men to teenagers and I actually prefer the dynamic of a lot of characters. In that story, for for one example, uh, they made Wolverine to an older tutor type, and they made Cyclops and Jean Grey into teenagers, and that eliminated entire Wolverine, Jean Grey, uh, Scott Summers' love triangle, and it made the story so much better not to have that bogging down. The plot and those characters' arcs so much. Yeah, and even if you're not a fan, that is a huge part of their yeah. whole yeah. relationships for decades. And yeah. I, I felt the negative part, like it, I felt it dragged them down to always, to constantly always be uh, will they, won't they for forty fucking years or whatever. Yeah. And, and just just fucking get over it. Yeah. Like go dump Cyclops, Jean Grey if you don't like him. Just fucking end it. But either way, the fact that a lot, and I felt a lot of the change in that show were for the better. Like a lot of the characters that didn't have personality. Like Avalanche were given personalities. And I uh, was a
2: standout for me when I watched that show. Yeah. He was one of favorites.
0: Yeah, like, uh, and I, I, and I told was great in that, better than the um, book toad at time. Mm-hmm. Toad has become better now, but in the comics for yeah. like since, since the 60s onwards, he was a joke. But then recently, because of the movies, he's become more of an actual character. Yeah. And next evolution was one of the first examples of that. And it was, it was, and I feel like that in general for the show, they just make characters a lot better in some respects. Now, we- size
2: that's a great pick because yeah. uh, that's also my favorite mastermind. Yeah, mine too. That's, uh, could be not. T- probably second favorite apocalypse only next to the X-Men show yeah uh, the 90s and and, um, the Jean Grey Scott you know Wolverine love triangle was done in the 90s series uh, I thought pretty well that it was it was cool to see uh, an ad like X-Men Evolution kind of clean break from that take of the X-Men do their own thing so this is the
1: last thing because we've been talking about this for a long time which is great but um, the one thing that I like too is when you play with adaptations a little bit more mm-hmm. sometimes you can take those forgotten characters or characters that don't really matter and revamp them in a way that is really beneficial overall to the characters like we mentioned it a couple episodes ago when we talked about Mr. Freeze mm-hmm. but we mentioned it in the Daredevil episode with Black Widow where she was she didn't really have a super big role in the Marvel Universe she wasn't like the big super spy that she is today like she I, she was a spy but she wasn't an A-list
0: character she was considered she on Dead Marvel's League like a street level character yeah
1: and by making her a founding member of the Avengers even though she didn't actually join the team till way later and like was a villain at, at the beginning and stuff by making her into a founding member of the Avengers it pushed her so much further and now in the comics like she has she has her own book for the like I think it's probably the most successful solo book she's had and she's going back to her she's it's going back to her original source and making her better than ever Mm -hmm. you know like I'm I don't know the specifics but I assume that Toad being so good in X-Men Evolution might have been more incentive to put him in Wolverine the X Men. to I mean, give feel, him feel, a starring role. I feel that
0: there was a there's a lot of times when you have more different interpretations of characters that will generate new interest in them. And uh, because like to, I guess I told it was a joke for a long time, but I, the movies, the X Men Evolution, and then uh, other adaptations started using it more seriously. And I feel that let him people don't realize like why are we making him a joke in the mainstream universe when he doesn't, he doesn't put, have to be. Yeah. Doesn't have to be.
1: And it reminds me of what you said about Black Widow and Guardian Devil when you were like they treat her as a joke character just because Kevin Smith is too lazy to make her a great character. Yeah. All
2: right. Cool. So this hope- has been great. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I Re- think we're going to do, do our... Oh, recommendations. 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 Real, Real quick.
0: Okay. Well, Let's go first? I'll go first. Okay. Go first. okay. So i go first. I recommend uh, Marvels. So. Damn. But uh, since Ryan's probably going to talk about it, I'll just recommend... <laughs> no, uh, no, you go. You go. No, I have another recommendation, so I'll recommend it. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I want to recommend uh, Kingdom Come, which is another Alex Ross book. That was going to be my second <laughs> choice. <laughs> And uh, if, you're, if you if you if guys you guys just make out already, please. <laughs> so after, we, after you after you follow Ryan's recommendation, follow my recommendation and we Re Kingdom come because that's probably Alex Ross's best work, art-wise. And I feel it's a the DC equivalent to Marvels in terms of capturing the scope and telling this great story with those that universe.
1: His Justice is really really good too. Oh yeah. he so- also wrote that I believe. I recommend Marvel's. We talked about it enough. It's great. It's an awesome look at what made the Marvel Age of the 60s and early 70s such a magical time
2: to read comics. Um, I'm gonna pray character here. I'm gonna do Alan Moore's Miracle Man. Okay. Hmm. Um, simply because I. I think it, you it's... mean
1: the original writer's
2: Miracle Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you if you go by the hardcovers, it says the original writer because Alan Moore. Doesn't want his name on it uh, for various reasons, but it's kind of it. I'm gonna tie it to runes because the book opens up with this ridiculous like 1950s Miracle Man-esque comic um, story, and then it flashes forward to 80s London, and it's kind of a look at like you know like what happened to these characters as they got older. And are remembering that, oh, we were, you know, we were Miracle Man, we were Kid Miracle. Um, And it plays into the whole what went wrong, but it also gets what went right by the end of the story. I don't want to say too much about spoiling it, but it's a very good run. And it's getting Um, new additions now. uh, The Alan Moore collection, um, I'm sorry, the Alan Moore run is all collected in in very nice hardcovers. Uh, and they just put out the first uh, hardcover of the Neil Gaiman run and for those of you that don't know this is a series that uh, Neil Gaiman was going to write he got a few issues in and then for various reasons I think it got wound up getting cancelled and now Marvel is reviving it with Neil Gaiman uh, awesome. picking up where he left off cool. but that's it
1: so thank you guys so much for listening and being the best if you want, to, if you have any questions write us in at Issues at gmail.com tweet at us at divisiveissues or the Facebook page vice mm-hmm. issues. And uh, I've been Ryan
2: Lynch.
0: I've been Daredevil.
2: Uh, I've been Joe Siena. Stay in continuity. Whoop, 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 whoop,
0: whoop. Every rose has
1: its dawn Just
0: like every night has its dawn